Wonderful. Well, uh, we are in a series. We've been in this series for the last uh, three weeks. Uh, it's a five-week series uh, looking at five ways to be as a church family. And uh, basically, the way that we've been describing this is that um, there's a number of things that God's called us to as a church family, uh, and there's some things that we want to be whilst we're on the, the journey uh, heading to the things that God's called us to be. And, um, and basically, these are things that are not particularly surprising. I think uh, we've said before that these are things that you would expect to see in every church family. These are not things that we've just uh, kind of uh, thought up ourselves. These are things that are biblical cultures that we see at work within the New Testament church. Uh, but these are five areas that we wanted just to really uh, kind of encourage us in uh, and say that we really want to run after these. Uh, the fact is that they are very countercultural, and uh, and so for us to be them, we need to, we need to work hard at that. And um, we see some real benefits in this as we do this. We see some kind of uh, embryonic uh, growth in these areas, but we know that we're not there yet, and we want to go further and further in these things. So uh, we've already looked at um, being joyful. Uh, so that means that in all circumstances of life, we find our joy in Christ as our wonderful saviour, whatever's going on uh, in, in life. We want to we uh, teach ourselves to do that. We want to worship him, uh, whatever else is happening around us. We want to be those that are courageous. Uh, Dan looked at that, I think, the second week. Uh, we are taking steps of boldness uh, in Jesus' name where we're uh, going past where we've been before. We're not kind of just settling uh, for things. And then Valter last week looked at welcoming. Uh, being a people that, that aren't just friendly, but we are... Uh, accepting people in, we're welcoming people in, we're a, a church that grows in what it means to be hospitable. And, uh, and basically the idea is that these things don't just change when we reach where we're headed. Uh, so uh, when we uh, get this wonderful building that we've been talking about, praying for, and we've got loads and loads of people sat uh, filling our building, we're not going to stop being a welcoming church, are we? We want to grow in this now that when we, we're there, we're, this is still part of our culture. When we see 52 baptisms a year, which is something that we've been praying for uh, and is going to need uh, real uh, steps of boldness and courage with our friends and our family to share the good news of Jesus. When we get there, we're not going to go, well, that was fun. We're going to stop, are we? We're going to say this is a culture that's within us as a church family that we want to continue to grow in, uh, continue to seek after. Does that make sense? Wonderful. So uh, this morning, uh, we're looking at another one of these characteristics, which is uh, to be a real church family. To be real. Now, uh, I have the privilege of unpacking this a little bit for us. Uh, but in, in essence, uh, we want to be a church that lives lives in full view of one another. A community that lives lives that are uh, open and genuine and, and honest with one another. Uh, a, a community that doesn't wear masks. And so uh, I think you've got some things on your tables. Yeah, it would be very helpful if you could, at this point, pop them on your faces. This was purely for my entertainment and nothing else, I'll be honest. No, I'm being entertained. <laughs> Wonderful. You all look very smart. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, I don't want to be in a church where people wear masks. Wonderful. Well, you can keep them on if you want, or you can take them off. It's really up to you. But basically what we're saying with this 
is that we don't want to be fake, do we? We don't want to be fake. We don't want to be a church that puts up this big front, says everything's okay when it's not okay. We don't want to be a church that puts up this big kind of image of who we are when we're not something. We want to be a church that's real. We want to be a church family that's real, does life together in a real way, and uh, takes our masks off. And uh, there's a number of... uh, Uh, Things within our culture that would kind of point us towards this. There's a number of things kind of personally uh, that I think some people find this much easier than others. There's the kind of uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve kind of people. You know who you are. Uh, And then there's those that really struggle to open up in any kind of way. Uh, That's a kind of personality trait. Uh, I think to use an image, you would be uh, kind of driving around with your car that's got something wrong with it. Uh, but you you don't want to lift the engine uh, just in case you discover what's going on with it. In fact, you don't even know where the bonnet catch is to open the engine. There's those kind of people. And then there's other kind of people that drive around with the bonnet open all the time, and uh, they don't care who sees the rattling stuff that's going on inside the bonnet. Uh, There's those kind of people, aren't there? That's a personality thing. And what we're not saying with this is that, you know, we want to be one way or the other. We want to be real in a biblical way, and help us to uh, learn what that looks like in the church family. Also, we have some cultural things. I said at the start that all of these things, really, they kind of fly in the face of the culture that we're part of. Uh, In fact, I think this is quite an interesting area, because I I do think in our culture in uh, the UK that we um, uh, we, we probably do... find it quite easy to associate ourselves with people uh, that kind of are able to show some vulnerability and some weakness. I think you see that with the kind of heroes that we would uh, portray in the media and other things. And and I have noticed this with uh, preaching. If I want to win some friends when I'm preaching, I uh, know that if I was to give you some... Uh, some vulnerability, a weakness in my life and exaggerate that, I could see lots of nods in the room. And uh, that's really encouraging, by the way. Nods are good and encouraging. But I have noticed that if I was to, uh, to, to say those things, to, to kind of exaggerate those things, that I would have lots of friends, more friends than if I was to stand up and say, this is an area I'm really strong in, really strong in. And actually, I've sat down and listened to preachers where I've heard people say that, and I think, oh, I find that quite difficult to listen to. But that's not real, is it? That's not real. Real is saying that I'm strong in this or I'm weak in this. Real is being real. And so I think that's just something that I've noticed in myself, and I think that's probably a bit of a lag from our culture that can easily set into the church life. Whereas Paul, in uh, some verses we're going to look at, and the kind of tone of the New Testament particularly, uh, says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If we're going to follow people, we want to be imitators of them in the strengths that we might grow and be encouraged to grow in strength, don't we? I hope that made sense. It made sense to me anyway. And, and, you know, our culture is full of this. Uh, only yesterday I was uh, watching Mary Poppins. And Mary Poppins says, uh, the cover is not the book. So open it up and take a look. So that's what she says. I won't sing it, but that's what she says. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so as another image, as, as another image, we don't want to be a church family that is just a bunch of dusty book spines, do we? We want to be open books that people can read. Uh, that our lives are on show, and we can do that together in a safe way and in a, in a biblical way in church community together. Amen. And uh, I think uh, there is much for us to learn uh, on these things. So let's, uh, let's do that together. So I want to look at this in the context of uh, 1 Thessalonians. There's some verses there that we can uh, look at together and some bits that we can 
uh, take out. Uh, but in short, as you'll find in 1 Thessalonians, in, in short, basically, uh, we're going to look at what it means to have a real uh, grounding in the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, the things that we've been singing about, things that we've been praying into, that, that's truth. Uh, so we want to have a real grounding on the real gospel. And, uh, and then secondly, we want to be a real community. So we'll look at how that unpicks a little bit. And then finally, we want to be, uh, we want to be real. We want to be real individuals, and uh, there's some things that we can grow in that as well. So that's what we're going to look at uh, together. So let's read the first uh, chapter of 1 Thessalonians. I'll start from verse 2. We give thanks to God always uh, for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus, that he... For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the, lo- the word in much affliction with, jo- with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Amen. So this is a wonderful, wonderful passage. This is a, a fantastic book. I'd encourage you to, uh, to read it. This is Paul uh, uh, and others writing a, a letter, but primarily Paul, writing a letter to the um, uh, really young uh, Thessalonian church. What's uh, tended to happen, the Apostle Paul, as you read through the New Testament, he kind of uh, starts up these churches and then where possible, he stays. And he stays to uh, help people to grow in their discipleship, to mature in their belief, the kind of foundation stages of, of uh, uh, what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Christ. And, and uh, what's happened in, in Thessalonica is that Paul has been forced out of Thessalonica. Thessalonica is a big city, um, a massive city in Macedonia, and he's been forced out of there after preaching the gospel, a number of people got saved. And, uh, and this church has formed, and then he's been forced out. So he's now writing this letter to them uh, to kind of uh, confirm some things in them, to encourage them, to embolden them uh, in their belief. And, uh, and that's the, uh, the kind of the background of this letter. But it's a really encouraging uh, letter I would uh, encourage you to have a look at. But uh, for the purpose of this morning, I thought it would be really great for us just to unpick a few things. Paul here highlights um, what it means to have a real gospel, a real gospel, a real foundation, a real uh, truth. And uh, we see that in verses uh, 4 and 5 particularly. Uh, Paul begins by highlighting the realness of faith in the Thessalonian church, the real faith uh, that they have. It's saying that, um, that the gospel has come, there's saving power over the sin and wrongdoing in their life, that Jesus has been... Um, Jesus' death and resurrection has been owned by these uh, Thessalonian believers. That They say, yeah, I'll put my faith in him. I've trusted in him as my Lord and Saviour. 
And, uh, and Paul is kind of confirming that in them. He's saying, yes, this is true, this is real uh, in your life. And I think there's some things here uh, that I just wanted to kind of underline for us because I think this is an area where we can uh, very quickly uh, uh, maybe have the whispering lies of the world that can uh, try and steal some of this truth of the gospel away from us. And, and what Paul does here uh, to the Thessalonians is to just choose some things uh, to say that, that I think is a huge encouragement. So first of all, he says, you are chosen. You're chosen. I've just lost where I was. You're chosen. Now, this is a really, encu- this is a really big word. So uh, there's a number of different connotations to what it means to be chosen, uh, a number of ways in which we're chosen. I was thinking of uh, kind of reminiscing on uh, the old school days when you're in the playground, you're uh, mustered up together just before a football uh, game or something at lunchtime, and uh, just the horror of uh, choosing teams. And, uh, oh, please let it be numbers. Please let it be numbers this week where we just choose numbers. But instead, uh, more often than not, it would be choose names and uh, you'd be chosen, wouldn't you? So I don't know whether maybe some of you have done this where you, you choose individuals and then sort of towards the end of the list, it becomes less about choice and more about, uh, well, they're just left. And, uh, and although, uh, you know, the, um, the horror of this that I still remember, you know, I've got to stop uh, going to school uh, for this purpose, but the um, but ultimately, you know, this is a real challenge, isn't it? Where you're kind of left, and 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 if we're not careful, we can think of the way that God chose us uh, with kind of blinkered views. What the Bible says about the way that God chooses people is that He chose us since before the foundation of the earth. He chose us before we were even formed. He's forming the earth, and He chose us. If you're a a believer, a follower of Christ, he chose you before any of the things that you think disqualify you happened. He chose you. Nothing is hidden from him. There's no kind of, oh, uh, they're left, I better pick them. It's not like that. He didn't just randomly pick numbers either. He didn't just kind of say, oh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll have five from there and five. From... No, he chose you since before the foundation of the earth. This is the truth. This is the truth of the gospel. And this is real. Faith is God initiated as well. Often we kind of, uh, you hear people talking about, have I done enough to please God? What about these things in my life? Is this something uh, that, you know, is acceptable before God? Have Have I done enough? But he chose you. He chose you to demonstrate his mercy by his grace. He birthed his salvation in your life. Knowing the hidden things and that he has lavished his grace upon you. And then... Uh, Paul says that you're, you're loved. He says to the Thessalonian church, you're, you're loved, you're deeply loved. That's how he describes you. Because you're, a, you're loved people, loved by the living God. Some of the things that we've been singing and talking about together uh, today. But loved even to the point where he was willing to send his only son to die on the cross for you. Isn't this wonderful? Amen. The wonderful real truth of the gospel. And the reason why I wanted to start in this place is because I think... Uh, these things can very easily be uh, kind of un- like our knees can be taken out if we don't truly hold on to these foundational beliefs. So when Paul is writing this letter, he's saying, guys, this is real. This is a firm foundation. This is truth that you need to remember and not whisper to the, uh, not listen to the, the whispering lies of the enemy. Be real. 
uh, in the gospel. And then he says uh, that the gospel has come not just in word, but in power. I can see the way that the gospel is, uh, is unearthing some things in your life. I can see the way that the gospel is powerfully working in your life. I can see the decisions you're making. I can see the way that you're, uh, you're choosing to uh, live a life that is, uh, turns to him away from idols. I can see that, he's saying, that there's power in your life. This is the true uh, gospel in which we believe. And, and Paul is somebody that was able in other letters to really be really honest about his own weaknesses, but the way that God is working through them for his glory. I think this is a really encouraging start to this letter. I think it's a really releasing start to this letter. If you were to read on, uh, even just to the first few verses into the next chapter, we see that Paul uh, is talking about the way that he uh, came to the Thessalonians. And he says, you know, unashamedly, I came approved by God. Not to try and please you, not to try and please man, but I came approved by God. In fact, in some versions, he says, not needing to wear a mask. Not needing to try and impress you, not needing to try and do anything really flash in your midst. I came completely approved, completely accepted, completely, completely, honestly, genuinely chosen and loved by the living God. And I wanted to kind of start with this because I think this is quite shocking, friends, that as, as a church family, if we're going to really hold on to what it means to be real, there's going to be a number of moments where we're going to need to cling on really, really tightly to what it is God has called us to be. Our identity must be centred in him and not in the things that we do. It must be centred in this unshakable truth of the gospel, that we're chosen, loved, approved by him. And also, friends, there's nothing hidden from him either. So he's not made a mistake. He's not got this wrong. It also allows us uh, to be real with God, to be honest with him. Prayer is a, a wonderful example of that. It might seem quite daft, but I, I know that a number of occasions you can sometimes maybe try and keep up even a veneer uh, in prayer, but there's no need to do that with God. He knows, doesn't he? We can be honest, we can be vulnerable, real with God. And this is also the foundation in which, as a church family, we can, uh, we can grow in realness. So, what does a real church family look like? We're looking at verses uh, from verse 5. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. So, throughout the New Testament, as I've said already, we see a number of occasions where this happens. Uh, the apostles are living open and, um, and obvious lives to those around us. And it's from that that people are, are being encouraged. It's from that that people are learning how to uh, live out this gospel. And um, it's really important uh, that we learn to grow in this as a church family as well. I think one of the uh, big things in our culture is about preserving our own self-image and uh, and. That, that particularly when we're gathered around other people, uh, how other people see us is a big deal, isn't it? I think it's a big deal. Maybe one or two others think it's a big deal. I care about what other people think about me. And, um, and so this is a real challenge, isn't it? How do we grow in this as a church family? How do we become uh, more real? The apostles were real, but by not overemphasizing or exaggerating their weakness... 
they lived lives in plain view of the church. And uh, being real, if misunderstood and practiced wrongly, could be really dangerous in a church family. It could be really dangerous if we don't get this right. If we see that this is just some big fad and we're all going like, to live open bonnet lives and wander around, and not, you know, it's not like that. That's not what the apostles did. But if we are to understand it correctly and practice it correctly, that the power of the gospel is on display in a way that little else does demonstrate the gospel. That the, the way in which the gospel is at work in our life is so much more on display. So there's much practical application for us in this. We don't want to be a, a people that put our Sunday morning faces on and, um, and just kind of arrive and, and say that everything's okay. There's a lot of practical application and uh, probably stuff that we'll need to work through together uh, along the way. But I wanted just to kind of give us some stuff from these verses that I think uh, is an encouragement uh, to us. That being real uh, is about uh, being uh, able to overcome some areas of sin in our life. It's also about being able to encourage one another, to bring challenge to one another, and to, uh, and to walk this life with one another in a way uh, that is um, better than anything else uh, that we have available to us. So uh, the first point in this I want to make is that, it, that being real is a privilege. It's a real challenge we've talked about, but it is a real privilege. I think I'm uh, one of the masters of being able to camouflage myself, preserve my self-image. If I try really hard, I can do that. I can, be, uh, I can control what, uh, some things about what people know and don't know about me. And we can all do that, can't we? We can live in this kind of environment where we gather like this together and we could be completely camouflaged about what true life looks like. But what we're saying as a church family is we don't want to settle for that. We don't want to settle for that. We don't want to be like those dusty uh, book covers. We want to be uh, open and real with one another. Also, uh, as we're looking at this being a privilege, it's not a luxury item. This is not something that you think, well, okay, uh, this is for the people that wear their heart on the sleeve, like we talked about at the start, the people that are really good at this. No, it's not. It's something that we all must work at. We all must uh, try and develop in our lives because there's a real safeguard in this. You know, the Bible talks about a number of occasions where we're, where we're loving one another. Well, part of loving one another is being honest with one another, isn't it? And uh, confronting sometimes one another uh, in that way. It's easy to become warped in my own sense of reality and my own sense of realness, that uh, this is normal for me, this is acceptable for me, and therefore becomes justified for me. But I think that God has been really merciful to us in putting us in a church family together where we can rub shoulders with people that are different to us, uh, where we've got or people who are loving enough to sometimes come alongside us and say, Sam, I just wonder whether you're a little bit off on that. Uh, where we've got some people that are loving enough to say, do you know what, just wonder whether this is a little bit out of line, that, the way that you reacted to that, is that the right kind of thing? You know, I've been really blessed with that in this church family, really blessed with people that uh, I know are for me and not against me that have helped me to see things that I was unable to see myself. That's being a real church family. And I do believe that there is safety in the accountability with one another when we open ourselves up in this way to do this uh, in, a, in a kind of relationship. We'll talk about how we do that a bit later, but, but there, is, there is real safety in this. Accountability with one another means that there are people that are asking questions of us uh, that we can't escape. 
things that we can't just leave to fester and rot away, but we are uh, we're being uh, provided some safety in realness as a church family if we run after this. I think also Paul talks about the fact that there's a real example here. He says that the example of uh, uh, the lives that they lived amongst the Thessalonian church was to imitate them, to learn what it means to be a disciple, uh, to imitate Christ, uh, but also that that example has gone way beyond them, uh, that the example is now in the nation, and, and he even goes further and says, and everywhere, that there's a, an example. If we were to really live this out, to be real people uh, in Peterborough, in this church family, it will permeate beyond these walls. It will. It's an example that is uh, confronting in the culture of our day. And it's something that I think, you know, we really want to encourage the, the ex- being an example to one another. Lies lived in plain view, learning from one another. We've got a number of people that are at very different stages of their discipleship, which is wonderful. People that have just been saved, others that have been saved for years and years. We want to learn from one another, don't we? You know, like, like genuinely, there's some people in this church family that have been going through some situations that I have got no idea how they are coping. And I've had a front row seat watching them in the way that they've uh, grown in their love for one another in some couple situations, but also in their love for God, the way they've handled uh, illness, the way they've handled suffering, the way they've handled disappointment. It is wonderful, isn't it? To be in a church family where we get to see this on display, real, real people, not wearing masks, not saying, do you know what, it's all all right, it's not... But look, look at the hope that they have in Jesus. Look at the way they're growing in their love for him. And, uh, and I, I found that really, really encouraging. When Paul says, be imitators as us, as we imitate Christ. I think this is you know, a real challenge in this as a church family. If you've been a Christian a little while, if, you've, uh, if you uh, have got some other people around you that are, are seeking to learn and, and grow in what it means to be a disciple, then, then you know, these verses are, are key, aren't they? I want to live out a real faith. A real faith that other people can imitate and not, and not be ashamed by that. You know, this is a biblical quality that we're looking for. And what about areas of sin? We, we mentioned that before, but the, um, there's a verse that comes to mind in 1 John uh, 1 verse 7. Uh, John, uh, writing this letter, says that we, we walk in light as he is in the light and we have the fellowship of one another and the blood of Jesus that cleanses every sin. Amen. The starting place again, like we talked about before, is the gospel, that nothing's hidden. There's nothing hidden. So whatever you kind of feel is like in darkness in your life, whatever you think is behind those closed doors, nothing's hidden from him. And John says in these verses to bring it to light. Don't let sin fester in your life. Don't let the, uh, the wrong in your life rot away at what God is doing, but bring it to light. But more than that, bring it to light and uh, bring it to light with one another. Do that in fellowship together. Because together, you're probably struggling with a number of things. Together, you can learn to, to feed these uh, the, the areas of sin uh, and uh, doubt and, and all other things. Bring them to light. The Bible encourages us uh, to do that as a community together. And I genuinely believe that that is a provision that he has given us as a church family. We uh, find out that we have more things in common and stop uh, guarding our own appearance, that we are able to come before him to repent and to grow into the things that he has for us. So there's some practical ways. I'm going to uh, blitz through this. But basically, 
Uh, what we're not saying is every Sunday morning people are going to jump up and give their whole life story and, uh, and be really open about everything that's going on in their life. Not, that's not what we're saying. But the Bible does give us some, um, some context in which this looks. So uh, we do see from the life of Jesus that Jesus had a, uh, a couple of very close friends and then he had a group of disciples and then he had a much bigger group of disciples and then he had a crowd of people around him as well. And, uh, and there's different things that Jesus shared with different people along the way. And so we would encourage you to do that, to find some people, maybe one or two people that you can be really, really honest and vulnerable with. Really open and uh, say, this is what's going on. Would you help me in this? Uh, here's some areas I'm struggling with. Would you ask me some questions on this next time we meet each other? To be open and real with those people. And then you might have a slightly bigger group of people that you get on particularly well with and you think, I'm going to share a little bit more with those people. That's great as well. What we're, not looking, what we're not saying is every Sunday we're going to have this moment where we all just put our dirty laundry out and air it. That's not what it means to be a real church. But it does mean that we have to be deliberate in this. It does mean that we have to be proactive in this. We've been thinking about ways that we can encourage us as a church family to do this a bit more, some things that we can maybe put in place uh, to make this a little bit easier, but it is going to mean being proactive, asking some people, would you help me in this? Asking some people, I'm really struggling in this area, uh, would you help me? Would you pray with me? Does that make sense? So please be uh, proactive in that. And if you feel like you're struggling in that, then come and see us and I'm sure we can uh, help. We want to grow in this as a church family together. I think uh, I'm going to stop on that for now. The third thing I just want to talk about is uh, about being real ourselves. The Bible is really, really uh, encouraging in this area. There's some verses that I, I just love in, in Romans, Romans 12, uh, that says, uh, Paul again, writing in Romans, says, have a sober view of yourself. Have a sober view of yourself. You read that in Romans 12, he then goes on to talk about uh, the way that the church family functions and some things for a mature believer to grow in. But he says, have a sober view of yourself. And what that means is uh, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't be intoxicated by uh, the things of the world that you think, oh, do you know what? I'm just brilliant. I'm just brilliant. I'm drinking in all these things and, I'm, and I am outstanding. He says, no, 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 you need to be sober on this. But also sober means not thinking too lowly of yourself as well. Not thinking, well, that's not for me. Those things aren't true of me. Being sober and having a sober view of yourself is having a proper grounding, a real understanding of who God has made you, uh, what he's called you to do and to be in this church family. And I do think, genuinely think, there's too many people uh, that, that maybe uh, go one way or the other in this. And, and I do think this is a really important area for us. Have a sober view of yourself. Have a sober view of yourself. The verses that we've just read, we see that um, that Paul is telling the Thessalonians, you know, I've heard the stories. You've turned away from these things. You've turned away from these idols. You're not running after them anymore. You're running after God. That's wonderful. But as a church family, we want, to be, uh, we want to be sober in our view of ourselves. We want a real view of ourselves, as well as in community and in our view of the gospel. And I kind of wanted to land there, really, that as we're grounded in what it is he's called us to be, and as we grow as a church family and how we uh, develop this as community, for any of that to work, we need to have a, a view of ourselves that is shaped by his word and is shaped by who he's made us, yeah. that is built on his identity uh, for us and not on what we do 
uh, not on anything else, uh, but on who he has made us. And I just wondered whether you would indulge me slightly by popping your masks back on for a moment. I'm going to ask you some questions in a moment, but these, thing, these masks are yours. You can take them away. You can do with them as you wish. Uh, if you don't have a mask, there are more masks available. You can have another mask. What I would encourage you to do is to slot this mask in your Bible this week or to stick it on your fridge. And I want you to just consider some ways in which you feel maybe uh, you are struggling in this area or maybe some areas where you can grow and encourage others to grow uh, in this. We want to be... Um, uh, we want to do this well, don't we? We're not going to just walk up to somebody and be, uh, uh, confront them. That's not loving. You know, we want to grow in this as, as friends together, as a church family together. Uh, you all look ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you some questions in just a moment uh, as we kind of work this thing through together. And then I want you just to think them through, and then at the end we can take our mask off and I'll pray. But um, are there some things in your life, whilst you've got your mask on, whilst you've got your veneer up, are there some things in your life that you would like to remain hidden? Are you firm in the real gospel? You're not believing the lies that, uh, that, that about your position before God. Are you clear that you are chosen? loved, approved, and have his power working through you? Are you standing in that truth, or is there something else that is trying to rob you of that? Are there some areas that you're working through that nobody else knows? Some areas maybe of sin, some uh, real challenges, some hidden things that you're struggling with that nobody else knows? Are there some areas of your life that are in darkness that need to be brought into light? And then what are you going to do about it? Are you going to remain behind your mask in that or are you going to bring it into his light? Are you going to remove the mask in those areas? Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to invite into your life? Is there a person in this room that you want to invite into your life to, to ask to pray with you, to grow in this with you, to be real with you? Once you've thought of those things, you can take your masks off. Friends, this is not natural. This is not something that we must learn to grow in as a church family. And so maybe I can just pray. But I would encourage you, if there's some things there, if there's some things that were hidden behind your mask, then why don't you bring them to light uh, for his glory's sake uh, and for your sake. Father, we thank you so much that you've uh, called us to be a church family that is not uh, fake, that is not uh, about going through the motions, that is not about uh, just doing... Uh, stuff at face value, but you have called us to be a, a radical group of believers that 
uh, are growing in, uh, in genuineness uh, and uh, accountability and realness together. Father, would you help us to love one another in this? Would you help us to, to grow in what it means to be real as a church family? Uh, would you help us to, um, uh, to do that well together? Father, we want to pray that uh, we recognise in the New Testament this is messy in lots of areas. Would you help us, by your grace, uh, to do this well? Father, where there's areas in our lives that are, uh, are hidden in darkness, that are left to decay and rot, Father, would you help us to bring them to light? Would you help us to uh, care well for one another in this as we seek to be real? We pray this in your precious name. Amen.